Kia ora koutou katoa, C3 City Church. You look amazing. You're looking tanned and healthy and beautiful. And we are just so blessed to be back here with you, with the whanau. And church is family. And I just want to say I'm a, bit, a month behind, but Happy New Year to all of you. Hope you've had a great break. And as Alan said, we've been away for eight weeks, which is, two, which is seven weekends, but eight weeks. And we've missed you. And I just thank God for online because we've been able to watch. And Brett, give him a hand and his team do an amazing job with online church. And a big shout out, kia ora, to all our online community who are watching today here too, which is great. And many of you didn't even notice we were away because you were away as well. So I hope you've had a great summer holiday and the weather was better than last year. And we went away... Um, I keep calling it sabbatical, it wasn't actually, we just had heaps of leave, so we used it all up in one go. And we were away for three of the eight weeks, and as Alan said, we visited 12 churches, it was amazing, and we went to Whitianga, Whangamata, Rotorumanga Whai, Auckland, Hamilton. Tauranga, Takarati, Pukiti, Rakin, Lithaporiki, Cambridge, Patarari, we went everywhere! And, and it was great, and we visited... Of the 12 churches, four were C3, one was Anglican, two were Baptists, and five others were just Pentecostals churches, and five of them were local. And it was really great to see the church at large is in really good health. It was awesome. And we had a blast, and we're so blessed, and we really enjoyed it. And it's back to, uh, great to be back here with all of you. And we are so grateful to live in this beautiful land, New Zealand, Aotearoa. So happy Waitangi weekend to all of you. We celebrate our nation. We're called to pray for our nation. We're called to pray for it. We want to see revival in our land. We want to see Kiwis being saved. We want to see the power of the Holy Ghost moving in our land again, big time, convicting hearts, bringing people to himself. Did you know there was a time, and we think, um, if you read New Zealand's Christian Heritage, which is in our church library up the stairs, which you can avail yourselves of um, in weekdays, if you have a moment, pop up there and get out books for free. There's heaps of shelves of books up there. Resource yourself. It's amazing. And one is called New Zealand's Christian Heritage, written by Cole Stringer, an Australian. <laughs> and he talks about how, I think it was just prior, after the missionaries came prior to the land wars, he reckons 80 to 90% of New Zealand was saved. And the Māori people took the gospel around the nation themselves, which was largely themselves, which was amazing. So we've got to keep praying for our nation. And are you hungry for more in 2024? More of God. Let's be so hungry that we come tonight. Some of you have got the day off tomorrow. Who's got the day off tomorrow and they're having a long weekend? Smart people. Mental note to self, do that for next year. <laughs> but anyway, Harry always brings a move of God. Harry Slade is on tonight. It is going to be incredible. So I felt like the Lord gave me this word today back in December for the launch of this new year. And I've called it Send Me, if you're taking notes, Send Me. Father, I pray you would anoint your word with power, not my words, but yours. And we say, Lord, here am I, send me, speak to us in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read Isaiah, about eight verses in the NIV, starting with Isaiah 6 verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet. And with two, 
back to here. (laughs) They were flying. They were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, for I am undone. I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard, this is the key verse, verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. So we've got Isaiah here having a visitation with the Lord. He sees God in heaven. And he overhears this song that's similar to what we see in Revelation 4, verse 8. So this is an Old Testament guy having a visitation with the Lord in heaven. And, And we see it again with John in the New Testament in Revelation 4. They're singing, strange creatures are singing the holy, holy, holy song. We're seeing it. In two places here. So Isaiah is having an encounter with the living God. And he is forever changed by this encounter. He has experience now being in the presence of God Almighty. And he is struck by his own deficiencies. And he cries out to the Lord. And then the Lord heals him. And he hears God's voice. And as a result, he surrenders all. He overhears the cry of God's heart. Who will go? For us, the Trinity. Who will go? And he volunteers. He signs up. Oh, oh, pick me. Pick me. Here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. Now, Isaiah did not even know what he was volunteering for. He did not even know where the Lord would send him. He did not even know what he would have to do. But guess what? It didn't matter. Because now Isaiah is just so in love with God, he's signing up for service. He is so consumed with the Lord that nothing else matters. You know, when we truly get a glimpse of him, nothing else will compare. When we are all struck by the Lord, nothing else comes close. What else matters? And then when we get so close to the Lord that we see him and we hear him and we're all struck by him, then we find ourselves surrendering all and saying, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. We sign up for his mission. Like the great prophets, those great prophets of old, the Blues Brothers once said, we're on a mission from God. What a privilege to be chosen to be sent on a mission from God. Isaiah's experience is also reminiscent of the disciples. Once those 12 young guys met Jesus, they dropped everything to follow him. We went and saw um, the first two episodes of The Chosen at the movies last night, and it's out, and you want to be watching it. It's like the Bible on live screen. You can watch it in your connect groups even if you're a connect group leader, and then discuss it. It's amazing. Who's been watching The Chosen, season one and two? This is season three. If you haven't, start from season one. Get the app. It's free. There's a little promo right there. 
Those guys dropped everything to follow Jesus. When we truly encounter the Lord, when we come closer to him than we have ever been before, there is just no going back to how we used to be. We can't go back. We yearn for more of him. We join our hearts with his and we lay it all down and we'll sign up for anything, anywhere, and we'll say, here am I, send me. So it starts, point number one, it starts with a God encounter. It all starts with a God encounter. Everything we do for the Lord flows out of our encounters we have with the living God. And I guarantee that Isaiah would not have put his hand up to go who knows where, to do who knows what, unless he had first come so near to the Lord that it altered him forever. He was so fundamentally forever changed that the fruit of his encounter was full surrender and service. You know, the devil will do anything he can to stop you and I having an encounter with God because he knows what's on the other side of him. He knows you will be unstoppable for the kingdom. If you, like Isaiah, get a vision, get a glimpse, have a visitation, hear his voice, oh my goodness, he knows you will be unstoppable. So he tries to make us too busy, too distracted to have an encounter with the Lord corporately on a Sunday or at youth or individually at home. But we've got to have it. Or we do nothing. The believers who do the most for the Lord have done so from a place of encounter, followed by full surrender. Who's heard of C.T. Studd? He was one such believer. He was one of the Cambridge Seven. And he played cricket for England in the 1880s nationally. But he laid it all down to serve God on the mission field in China and later India and Africa because he had had an encounter with the Lord. And he said, only one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. He did amazing things for the Lord. He also said, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. You know, so many of the Bible greats did great things, great deeds for the Lord because they had first had an encounter with him. Adam and Eve would walk with God, see him and hear him every evening. Noah, God spoke to him clearly and gave him a vision of a boat. Abraham, God spoke to him clearly and told him to go to another land. Jacob, he saw a ladder, stairways, angels going up and down to heaven. He had an encounter, then he did great things. Moses saw a burning bush. Joshua lingered in the tent in the presence of God. Samuel heard God call his name as a little boy. David worshipping God out the back of the farm, writing the songbook, the Psalms. Solomon had a dream of visitation from God. Then he saw fire come down from heaven. Even in the New Testament, Saul became Paul. He had a road to Damascus experience. If we're going to do something great for God, it starts with meeting with God first. It all starts with a God encounter because encounters with God are life changing. And we have our 66 chapters written by Isaiah in our Bibles because that guy chose to have an encounter with God. And we were privileged when we visited Israel to see it, see the scrolls, and they found it with the Dead Sea Scrolls, and it's all up there to go and see if you go there. We've got to have an encounter with God. We're not just talking about a little bit of religion here. Hebrews 12, 29 says, our God is a consuming fire. The Bible describes the Lord as pure fire. 
He is not like fire. He is fire. This is not an analogy. It's the truth. When we come closer to this fire, we catch on fire. We become a firebrand for him. We become a fire carrier, which then leads us to become a spiritual pyromaniac, a fire starter for the Lord. Someone called me that once. You're a spiritual pyromaniac. Best compliment, biggest compliment I've ever had. Then we are not only fire carriers, we are fire starters for the Lord. This is what God wants for all his children, to draw near to the fire of the Lord, then catch on fire and go out and spread that fire. Don't worry, it's, it's just spiritual fire. I'm not telling you to be an arsonist. Nathaniel's breaking out into a sweat as we speak. <laughs> Spiritual fire in our school, in our work, in our street, in our tennis club, in our university. Because God does not want us to burn out. God wants us to burn up ablaze with his fire all the days of our life. And then self is burned up. And then worldliness is burned up. And then wrong desires are burned up. And we become consumed with him instead. And his fire burns up the flesh, the sinful nature. And then you start burning more and more with the fire of God. Then I tell you what, one and a half hours on a Sunday morning just is not enough anymore. It ain't going to do it. We want more. We want more in 2024. We're hungering for more in 2024. And that's when we say, here am I. Send me. We volunteer. We sign up. That's point number two. We volunteer for the mission. It starts with a God encounter. Then we surrender and volunteer for the mission. First comes the encounter with God and out of that flows service, not the other way around. Many believers have a preference for one of these over the other, the encounter versus the mission. You know, some people say, yeah, well, I'm all about having a Holy Spirit encounter on the altar. And others are like, well, I'm all about mission and evangelism. And some say, well, I go to a Holy Spirit church and we're into prayer and worship and altar ministry. And some say, well, well, I go to a, a missional evangelistic church and we're into outreach and mission and serving our community. So which one should we be? Which one is it? What type of church should we be? Should we be pursuing an encounter with the Holy Spirit? Yes. And should we be pursuing evangelism and mission? Yes. That's right. It's not an either or. It's an and and both. <clears throat> Sweet pea, could you get me a glass of water, please? Thanks. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, there it is. Thank you, Lord. It's appeared. I looked for it here and I didn't look in my rear vision. Thank you. Whoever put that there. <clears throat> it's both. We need to be both. It's not either or. The Bible advocates for both. And one flows out of the other. The mission flows out of the encounter. It's a process that we see here with Isaiah and also with the disciples. We spend time in the presence of God. This is the encounter. We get a revelation of who he is. And then we're undone. And then we surrender and we give our all and we say, here am I, send me. And we sign up for the mission, the evangelism. It always flows out. The mission flows out of a fully surrendered heart, which follows an encounter with the Lord. Service follows encounter every time. We should not attempt a mission for God until we have first encountered his presence and power. 
If we try and do the mission before we've encountered his presence and power, we'll just be doing it in our own strength. And we won't last. And how many of these have we seen? We need to be filled with the supernatural power before we can do the supernatural tasks. Jesus emphasized this also to his disciples after his resurrection. Two scriptures, Luke 24, 49. Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. He's saying, guys, have the encounter before you do the mission. He said it again in Acts 1, 4 and 5. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, guys, don't even try and fulfill the Great Commission in your own strength. Wait till you've had a power encounter and be filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit. We've got to have the encounter, and then we can do the mission. The Holy Spirit is a fuel inside us, and he keeps us burning so we'll never part out. We need him to do the mission. Yet so many Christians valiantly try and do the mission in their own strength and put out and don't last. We so need to have an encounter with the power and the presence of God and get baptized in the fire of the Holy Spirit filled to overflowing. And we need to have several encounters and keep having them. Only then can we be sent out in the power of the Spirit. Jesus did this. He went into the wilderness, sent in there by the Spirit. And he had a wrestle with the devil, but then he went out of there in the power of the Spirit. He had had an encounter with God at his baptism. He'd been baptized in water and in the Spirit. The heavens opened and the Spirit came down on him like a dove. Here at C3 City Church, we are definitely a missional church. The first line of our church vision and mission is save souls. Say it with me. Save souls, disciple believers, train leaders. Amen. And we're trying to do that, and we've planted locations, <coughs> coast and north. Coast is now set free. It's its own church. It's exciting. And we want to plant more locations in our city. And we've sent people out to plant churches in New Zealand, Rachel and Jared and Timaru and in Tauranga, Niffin with his Indian church about four years ago. And we visited that in November, and it's rocking, and it's outgrowing its building. And Joseph and Lisa at St. Luke's about 13 years ago. We want to plant more churches. We want to send more people out into our nation and plant more because church planting is the best form of evangelism because you're sinking a well that will feed people for generations. And that church will keep doing outreach and that church will keep doing Easter and mainly music and scouts and community dinners and cap and all of these amazing things. But before we can do anything for God, it must first come from a place of us having been changed. And that only happens in an encounter with him. It's where we die to self. It's where our hearts are aligned with his. And that is why we want everyone, each one of us here at C3 City Church to have an encounter with God and keep having them and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we encourage us to have a freedom prayer because we can hear from God and encounter the Holy Spirit. We encourage people to go on a seeking God retreat where you can be in the presence of God for a whole weekend, soaking in him, getting pickled in the power of the Holy Spirit. Who wants to be pickled? Tell the person next to you, you could do with some pickling. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, one of our church values, of which we have eight, is led by the Spirit. That's why we have altar call ministries most Sundays. Do you know what? The altar is a powerful place. The altar is a place of sacrifice. 
the altar is a place of death. You know, in the Old Testament, if you were a sheep or a cow, it was a bad day when you were led to the altar because you weren't coming back. It was a one-way street. In the New Testament, the altar is still a place of sacrifice. It's still a place of death to ourselves, to our own desires. We're not literally going to die, but we die to self. So we become a living sacrifice. The Bible talks about this in Romans. We come down here to the altar to meet God, to die to our own desires, to sacrifice, to give ourselves, offer ourselves totally to him. And you know what? God can use people who've had an encounter with him. God can use people who've died to themselves. God can use people who have surrendered all. God can use people who say, here am I, send me. Man, I lived on the altar for the first three years of my Christian walk. Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, they didn't have any freedom prayer or cleansing streams back then. I was just bawling my eyes out on the altar. And um, I think the snot is still in the carpet at Gateway Church. We visited it. It was Hamilton AOG then. And as you know, the carpet is something else. Who's seen the carpet? It's like, a, it's like the eighth wonder of the world. And you could... It was, it's such great quality. It's 40 years old. It's going to last another 40 years. I believe in it. And it used to go a meter up the walls as well, which it doesn't now. And all your senses were assaulted by the carpet as you walked in. You could drop a pizza on it and never notice. It's so busy. But I think my snot and tears are still in it because I was, <laughs> I was bawling my eyes out in the altar. But the altar is a great place. I know. I wouldn't have put my hand up and said to God, here am I. Send me if I had not first had some power encounters on the altar with him. And after those encounters, I was so changed and consumed with his fire that nothing else mattered except serving him. So I said it. I said, here am I. Send me. And he sent me to Tauranga with this guy in the youth group called Alan Hood. And we're still here. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. After those encounters, we are not the same. We need a power encounter with him. Not just to have nice spiritual fluttery feelings, although you may have that. The encounter is necessary because it changes us, because we die to ourselves. And then he changes us so we can actually be of use to him. Everything we do for the Lord must always flow out of a close encounter and a love relationship and walk with him. Otherwise, we are in danger of a works mentality. Tick the religious boxes like the Pharisees did. Oh, yeah, those guys were fasting two days a week. They were memorizing scriptures. They'd been trained. They'd been to Bible college. They'd even tied their garden herbs. But they didn't know Jesus. He was just in front of them, and they didn't even recognize the Son of God is here. And Jesus didn't pick any of those guys to be in his team, even though they knew the word. They'd study. They'd train. He didn't pick any of those guys. He picked tradies. He picked hated tax collectors, fishermen, uneducated. We've got to beware of the works mentality of trying to earn our way into the kingdom by doing good works and religious service. We never can. A works mentality says I have to serve God rather than I want to serve God or even better yet, I get to serve God. We see here that Isaiah volunteered. He put his hand up. The Lord didn't force him. The Lord never forces anyone in his army. He does not do conscription. He lets us volunteer to join up. He's into free will. 
He lets us put our hands up for a mission. I'm going to call the band back because I'm really trying to preach shorter this year. (laughs) Haven't we had amazing sermons? I've watched online. Uh, Give all the preachers from the last seven weeks a hand. They have been incredible. And I love how the year started with fasting and prayer. It's like the Lord is calling us afresh to seek him this year. So I'm reading a book, rereading a book by um, that Dave Mann produced with all of those little books about early New Zealand called the Chronicles of Paki. They're in a church library. Who's read any of the Chronicles of Paki? They are amazing. You've got to read them. And I'm reading about Octavius Hadfield. And I talked a little bit about him about seven years ago once. But you've probably forgotten or you might have been sick that day. So I'm going to talk about him again briefly. Octavius, who would call a dear little baby Octavius? We're going to become grandparents in five and a half months. Isn't that exciting? (laughs) Granny and granddad hood right here. That's us. (laughs) We're very blessed and very excited. Octavius, someone called their poor child Octavius. He was born in England in the early 1800s. He was one of 12 children. He loved God. He must have had some kind of encounter, which it doesn't, um, well, I can't find anything about when I look online. But he said, he did say, send me, here am I, send me. And he said, I'll go anywhere. But he had been so sick all his life with asthma, all through his childhood and teens. He nearly died several times. He had to drop out of uni. People didn't think he'd live very long. He didn't think he'd live very long. His family thought he wouldn't even survive the journey of many months on a ship to travel to New Zealand to the mission field. So he thought, hey, I might not live very long. I'm going to give every day I have left to the Lord to serve him. So he signed up with the CMS, Mission Society, and they sent him, God sent him to New Zealand. He had a heart and a burden for the Maori people, and he joined some missionaries in Paihia, Henry Williams and his family for a few years, and he was integral in writing the treaty. But he wanted to establish a new missions frontier, and he was invited by Te Raupraha, warlike chief down in Waikanae, um, and to go down there to Waikanae and Otaki, north of Wellington. Now, he didn't even know how long he'd live. He didn't even know if his health would handle going further south because his lungs, the colder you get, it's not good. But he thought, hey, I may not live long. I want to give all my days to the Lord. So send me, Lord. He went down there he is, in his early 20s. He established two mission stations there, he, about 20 miles apart, and he'd ride between them on horseback, Otaki Waikanae. He'd learned te reo fluently. He set up a school teaching and serving and living amongst and working with the Maori people whom he loved. And they loved him too. And they called him their father. And a term of endearment was te harawera because it couldn't say Hadfield or it meant Hadfield. He even, <laughs> excuse me, married in his late 30s to one of Henry Williams' daughters, and they had nine children, and they were married for 50 years. This is a guy who was just having a go because he didn't know how long he'd live. And he became an expert in Māori customs and a key advocate for Māori, lobbying Parliament New Zealand and England on their behalf, writing books and pamphlets to support Māori rights, to protect their land rights, and he became very unpopular with the government and other European settlers here. But he was at heart a peacemaker. He walked many miles through the bush and he took the gospel around up to Taranaki. He even lived long enough to become Archdeacon of Kapiti, then the Bishop of Wellington, then the Primate, which sounds like a monkey, but it's not. It means the Archbishop of New Zealand. He kept having a go for God. He said, here am I, send me. And he didn't stop. And he lived 90 years. And he's buried down there, and he's one of the amazing forefathers 
of recent years in New Zealand. What a legacy he left, all because Octavius responded to the Lord by saying, here am I, send me, send me. You know, today the Lord is still calling people. The Lord is still asking the same question that Isaiah overheard the Trinity saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And he is looking for a response. He is watching to see who will draw near enough to overhear the cry of the Lord. Who will draw near enough to catch his heart? Who will draw near enough to catch his fire? Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 A says the eyes of the Lord roam to and through throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. He is watching to see who is seeking him at home individually. He is watching to see who is seeking him on the altar corporately. He is seeking out those who are seeking him. And the Lord is looking for servants who will lay down their agenda for his agenda. He is still looking for followers who will say, here am I, send me. Who will have an encounter, lay it all down and say, send me. He's still looking. But can he find any? He's having a hard enough time just trying to get his people to lay down every second Tuesday night to be a part of a connect group. Let Let alone lay down their lives. Oh, Lord, I give you everything. Great, let's start with Tuesday night connect group. No, Lord, no way. That's half price at the movies night, Tuesday night. You're not having my Tuesday night. Let's start with Tuesday night, but he wants it all. He wants more than Tuesday night. Where are the people who will lay down everything for the Lord and be willing to be sent out? Who knows where? It may not necessarily be to Africa. It may be to your hurting neighbor. And you can help them by taking their kids to school with your kids every day or something like that. It may be to serve at mainly music each Tuesday morning so you can sit with a young mom who doesn't know what she's doing and build relationship and encourage her. Where is God sending you in 2024? It may be to the nation. It may be to the nations, or it may be right here in this city. To whom is God sending you in 2024? It may be to that new student in your school or in your uni class who doesn't have any friends or know anyone yet. It may be to that guy in your office at work who's going through some marriage struggles. We are the sent ones. Let's make 2024 count for the kingdom of God. Let's stand this morning.